Is it okay if is it okay if I'm nervous? I want you just to just be comfortable in your seat for a moment because you're going to be uncomfortable in about half an hour. So just be, un- just be comfortable for a while as we pray. Father, I thank you for the power and the authority of your word. Every single one of us has come to this place expecting our God to speak to us. And I pray as we hear your word that you would minister truth to us. Father, we are not interested in an opinion of a man, but we are interested in what you are saying. And I pray tonight that as we open up our ears, that you would minister to us, minister into our confusion, minister into our brokenness, minister to us and our pride, minister to us who don't need to struggle, but struggle because we are stubborn. Minister to us, Lord, who suffer so many trials and difficulties just because we don't want to be accountable to those whom you have called us to be accountable. I pray as we listen to your word tonight that people would not focus on an individual, but that truly our attention would be on Jesus Christ as our Lord. I thank you for this powerful time of worship and praise. I thank you for this conference and I thank you for your people that are hungry and eager. And I pray that you would feed us with daily bread. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you very much to Pastor Peter and Pastor Josephine for the opportunity that I've been given to share with you. I'm excited. And I believe God to speak to you. Amen. Also want to greet all the men of God and women of God that are here just to acknowledge you and to thank God for what He's doing in your life. But I want to go into God's Word immediately. In order to follow me, you must go with me to Philippians chapter 1. And Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 1, and we will read verse 27. And Philippians chapter 3, and we will read verse 20. So I'm just going to just lay somewhat of a foundation before we get into other parts of the message. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27, it says, I'm reading to you from the King James. It says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Our conduct and our conversation 
must be according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's no other standard. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. You all got that? Your con conduct must be becoming of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your conversation. And Paul says, when I come and see you, I want to see that your actions and your lifestyle is in line with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, you cannot choose your own standard by which you want to live. God has already set the standard. Amen? So let's go to verse Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. It says, For our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm going to speak around those two texts for a little while. I'm going to call this message the instrument of God's task. The instrument of God's task. I don't know if you even understand that God has a task. I am going to assume that because you have been saved for a while, I'm going to assume that you understand that God has a task. God has a mission. God has a purpose. God has an intention. God has a vision. God has got something that He wants to accomplish. God has a task. My message tonight is to tell you about the instrument that God uses to accomplish the task. Because for too long, we have messed around with the instrument. For too long, we have thought that we can use the instrument, abuse the instrument, say what we want to about the instrument, and live our life under our own conditions, wanting to achieve our own plans. For all of us that are in this building, we need to realize and comprehend and let it sink into our inner man that God is in the business of saving people. That's what's on God's mind. That's what God's focus is all about. God is focused on the next man or the next woman that needs to come to salvation. 
God is focused on the man that's an atheist or the woman that's an atheist and says there is no God. God is focused on getting that man or that woman to begin to realize that there is a God and because there is a God, they are sinners and because they are sinners, they need a Savior. At the center of the task of God is the salvation of humankind. I'm not going to waste your time tonight. But I'm going to immediately tell you, God's business is not to satisfy you. God's business is not to set a platform so that you can be better than the next one. God's business is not to dress you up in something that, that sets you above everybody else. God, don't anoint you so that you can be better. But God empowers you. And God anoints you because God understands that He needs an instrument for His task. And every single one of us need to realize that we are an instrument. And the one that uses the instrument can use that instrument in any way He chooses. That He does not have to ask you, how can He use you? In the church today, what we have is a circumstance where people have dreams and visions and purposes. And seemingly, all of us have dreams and visions and purposes that separates us from the task of God. It cannot be, my friend, that you have a dream and a vision and a purpose in your heart, but it separates you from the vision of God and the task of God. I'm going to announce to you today that one of the most... Uh, but one of the most struggling difficulties we have in the church is vision. Now I hear what you are saying. The Bible says where, there, uh, where there's no vision, the people perish. I know you're quoting that scripture. But that scripture is referring to a godly vision. That scripture is referring to a vision that has been ordained by God. It is not referring to a vision that you manufactured in your inner man to obtain your personal dream and your personal goal. Are you with me? Are we still here? We need to understand tonight that God has got a task. God has got a mission. And that task is fulfilled by the church. It is fulfilled by the body of Christ. Turn to somebody and say to that person, I am the instrument of God. So God has a mission, and that mission is to reach the lost. But in that mission, He has an instrument, and the instrument is the church. Now let me explain to you what an instrument is so that you don't misunderstand me and misquote me in any way, shape or form. When I say God is an instrument, I'm talking about a tool that is precise. I'm talking about a tool that is accurate. I'm talking about a tool that's going to hit the, the mark the moment it is being used. I'm not talking about a tool that you're trying to make and manufacture. I'm talking about the church. The church for whom Jesus has given his life so that there can be an instrument, so that there can be a tool on the earth 
that God will use to save a husband, to save a wife, to save a son, to save a daughter, to save a gangster, to save a drug addict, to bring an atheist out of that lie that's in his mindset, to save those who want to live an alternative lifestyle. God has given an instrument. That instrument is the tool, is the church. As an instrument, an instrument is a tool of precision. Precision to implement something. And in that way, the church does precise work. Now, you might not do precise work. It might be true that you've messed up. It might be true that you have failed. It might be true that you've come on sluggish and you've battled your way around through different kinds of circumstances. But you, I need you to understand, the moment you become a part of the church, you become a part of a tool that's precise. This tool is accurate. You may be blind, but your blindness does not stop the accuracy of the church. You may be lame in your body, but your lameness does not stop the accuracy of the church. You might have a mindset that might not please everybody, but your mindset when you adapt it to the precision of the body of Christ, God will use you. God don't ask, is my tool rich? God don't ask, is my tool poor? God don't ask, how, how old is my tool? God don't ask, is my tool young or is my tool old? God don't ask, does my tool have experience? Oh, God knows that He has designed an instrument and that instrument is the body of Christ. It is the church. It is a loving organism. And because it's a loving organism, it is precise. Anything that is inaccurate in your life, it's because you don't comprehend the church. Anything that you are struggling with, that you are battling with all the inconsistencies, is a sign of you not being in line with the instrument. Because you see, in God's design, the instrument has dealt with sin. The instrument is now dealing with the people who must come out of sin. It is targeted. It is not misdirected. It is directed towards the sinner. It is directed towards the unbeliever. That's the work of the church. God did not give you an anointing for your personal benefit. God did not give you a, a gifting for you. I'm saddened by the fact that there are gifts in the body of Christ. And they're running in a different lane to the church. I'm saddened that, in the, that we have gifts and, and, and various ministries that God is raising up. But running in a different direction. And we need to begin to realize God is raising up a body that functions in community. That does not function in disunity. We need to begin to realize that there is an instrument on the earth. And that instrument is the church. And that instrument is in God's hands. Now listen to me. Philippians chapter 127 says, Only let your conversation. I think the, okay, there it is. 
conversation. Earlier I saw conduct on that screen at the back. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Now that word conversation, I apologize to you for this Greek word. I'm not trying to be quiet. I'm trying to bring you understanding. That word conversation is a Greek word, politiomai. It's an Afrikaner. It's a Greek word, politiomai. That's the word for conversation. And this word politiomai is a word that refers to to behave as a citizen. When the Bible says, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, then what the Bible is saying, your behavior, not your preaching, not your singing, not your playing of an instrument, not your prophecy, not your laying hands, laying on the hands of those who got demons. None, none of those things. The Bible says your conduct. You see, we are raising up people who want to be preachers, who got no lifestyle. We are raising up preachers who's been married three times and four times. We are raising up preachers who sleep around. We are raising up preachers who get their doctrine from the devil. The Bible says that only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That word becometh mean let it be worthy of. So in other words, when the Bible says that your conversation must be worthy of the gospel, it is referring to your lifestyle. Not to the fact that you can pray for two hours. And then you go home and beat your wife. Not to how well you can jump and dance and sing and run and skip and prophesy and have dreams and interpret those dreams, dreams speak in tongues. It's got nothing to do with that. Paul said it must be according to your lifestyle. I... I'm hearing the Lord say to me, stop raising up people for the local church. Don't misunderstand me, pastors. We need people in the local church. But if our vision is just locally minded, we start to raise up people who are just locally minded. And when we're locally minded, we just want to take the conduct of our local mindset. So everything we say, everything that's acceptable, everything we say yes to, everything that we refuse, it's just based on the local mindset. Are you with me? We didn't must come to run, to jump, and to skip, and to dance. Paul said, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Politio mai. To behave as a citizen. In other words, your lifestyle, the way that you live. In other words, 
that which you are a citizen of will go into you, will ingrain you, will settle in you, will shape you and make you and direct you and lead you. I ask you a question. What citizenship is ingrained in you? I ask you tonight, what citizenship is ingrained in you? Because the citizenship of heaven don't sit under the word of God and swear on their way home. That's, that's a due citizenship. Born over there, but I'm going to live here. Due citizenship. I have a, a, a nephew. Um, my brother had gone to work to work in Dubai at some point and then his wife uh, was about four five months into the pregnancy and she also went over to Dubai and there in Dubai she gave birth so that boy was born in Dubai but that boy lives in South Africa I want you to see the picture with me that as a, a, as a child of God if you are born into the kingdom, you live in the kingdom. You don't go live anywhere else. You don't choose standards that you appreciate, that you like, that you desire. If you're born into the kingdom of God, you stay in the kingdom of God. There's no dual citizenship. And so we need to understand that that which you are a citizen of, is ingrained into you. If you are a citizen of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is going to be ingrained into you. And when the kingdom of God is ingrained into you, you become that. You speak that. You desire that. You dream that. You announce that. You sing it. You play it. Everything about you. It's because the kingdom of God is ingrained into you. Politio mind. Now this word is also found in Acts chapter 23 and verse 1. And in Acts chapter 23 and verse 1, Paul said, I lived a good conscience. See there? Paul earnestly beholding the council said, Men and brethren, I have lived in good conscience. Before God. Can you hold it there? That word lift is the same as the word politiomai. So Paul is saying to the council, he's saying to them, brothers, I have lived. His life is now in danger. He is now under threat. But he says to them, he's basically saying to them, I don't care what you do. But I want to tell you, I lived my life. Behaving according as a citizen of the kingdom of God. So loved refers to behaving as citizens of the gospel. I said to you that word becomes, it means to be worthy of something. Now, when you go to Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20, you now get that same word, but just a variation of that word. It says... Philippians 3 verse 20, are they going to, there they got it on the screen, it says, for our conversation is in heaven, 
That word conversation there. It's just a different format of the same word. The first one was politiomai. And this one now is politima. Do, do, you, do you get the feeling there's the word politics in there? Politiomai. Politimia. Politics is in order to create a citizenship of one grouping. The context we must understand here is God is working for us to be citizens of the kingdom of God. No other citizenship. We can't have dual citizenship. So Paul said, he said, for our conversation is in heaven. That word conversation there is the word politiuma, whatever that word means, or how you pronounce it. That word there means community. That word refers to a direct citizenship. It refers to, I know where I belong. And I want to be there and follow the rules. Oh, we mustn't use the word rules. We've been set free. We've been delivered. Hallelujah, there are no more rules. But I want you to understand, if you're a citizen of the kingdom of God, you can't just live haphazardly. You have to live within the boundaries that God has set. And then, when you read that scripture further, which we won't go into, Paul says, he wants the Philippians to stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together, for the faith of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, let's quickly sum that part up. God has got a task. And he accomplishes that task through the church. The church is the instrument that he uses to accomplish his task. The instrument is precise. There are no problems with the instrument. The problems that we have is the people who come into the instrument. The problem is also how we bring them in. Because we need to begin to understand that how people come into the kingdom initially is important. You, you don't just bring a man into your family and tell him, okay, you're in the family. Do as you want. Do as you please. No. You've got to sit him down and say, my boy, now that you're going to be a part of our family, marry our daughter, we just want to let you know uh, we have lunch on a Sunday. Every Christmas we buy each other gifts. And we've set a standard. Our gifts are nothing less than 500. You know what I'm saying? When somebody comes into your family, there's, there's generally a culture of how we function in this family. In the same way, we need to understand when people get saved and they're coming to the kingdom of God, we must be ready to know how are we going to bring them in. Because if a man comes into your family and marries his daughter, your daughter and you haven't given the rules, he's out of line the first time he visits your house, even before he gets married. You give him no rules. My, my father-in-law, when I uh, went to visit Lynn, uh, he said to me, um, this is my house, 
and my rules apply. Right? So when I came to Lynn's house, I could only do one thing. Come in by the door and sit by the first couch. And that's where I sat for four years. That's where I sat for four years. Occasionally, op a lekker dag, da kan ek miskien toilet toe gaan. But I understood, coming into this family, it has its rules. We need to understand that the kingdom of God is not without rules. It is not without laws. It is not a free for all. I can live the way I want to grace. Now this is where the message might take a bit of a turn. Because our preachers are not releasing truth to us that we are so confused. You see, there are of us here in this building, you have aspirations and desires of preaching this gospel. You also had a dream, and in your dream, you saw yourself on a stage, big stage, big, big, big stage. Sister Joseph, in our big stage. So these thousands of people come to the altars. You got a massive dream. But nobody tells you about your lifestyle. All of our preachers are taking us to the dream without a lifestyle. All of our preachers are taking us to the vision without a proper and a right way to live. I don't care if you're the greatest preacher in the world. I don't care if they call you wherever you need to go. I tell you, if you don't have a lifestyle of a kingdom of God, you're not a citizen. Because Paul said, my conversation must be according to the citizenship of the gospel. So what I speak and what I say and how I do things must line up with that. And so now you've got a brother. He preached on the train. He preached on the train, two messages, and four people came to the Lord. And we went home and said to everybody, God has called me to be an evangelist. Now we don't doubt that because God can call anybody. But I want to tell you, you can be an evangelist, you can be a prophet, you can be a high doctor, you can be whatever you want to call yourself, but if your conversation if your lifestyle is not in line with the citizenship of the kingdom of God, put your Bible down and open it up for the first time. Because what we have is people who open their Bibles because preachers tell them where to go, but they don't open it for themselves. And when we start opening the Bible for ourselves and we start reading our preachers, including this one, won't be able to tell you any lies. Won't be able to bring you any deception. Because let me tell you where your discernment comes from. Your discernment comes from the Word of God. The Holy Spirit does not operate independent from the Word of God. We have raised up in the church people who want to be visionaries. People who want to have dreams. People who want to do all these great things for God. Without a lifestyle. 
You know what's sad? And I'm not stepping on anybody's toes, but if it does, it's fine. But we've got deacons in our churches who don't live right. Because we've slacked on God's rules. We've slacked. Ach, ek ken as so lanka vir broe dinges, hy is as so lanka, ach, maak maar toch maar vir hom ook maar oudeling sien. Ach, jyne amal het toch op die oepelige prik, laat hy ook maar prik, laat sy ook maar prik. There's questions about the man's life, there's questions about the woman's life, but because we want to fill the gap, I have shared with, with, with Pastor Peter and Josephine when they came to our church, I've shared with them, at our church we stopped everything. And the reason why we stop everything because lifestyle is more important than activity. That's, that's what my wife and myself, a lifestyle is more important than activity. I would rather, sorry, I know, I know in every church there, there's, this, there's a challenge around the area of the worship team that so I'm not targeting your guys' worship team, but I would rather have an empty stage. That's our choice. We'd rather have an empty stage with people who have the lifestyle of the kingdom of God than to have people who want to manipulate the house of God through gifting and talents. And so the church should not make space for the world to penetrate it. When we slack in the laws of God, we open opportunities to give the devil opportunity to have advantage over us. It cannot be that the church is under so much attack by demonic powers. It's because we've opened the door. We've slacked. We've said, oh, we love brother so-and-so. We love sister so-and-so. Let her preach. Let she preach. Let she sing. Let she dance. Let she do whatever it is she does. But we don't look at the lifestyle. We don't look at the lifestyle. I want to know if you're going to do anything for God, will you first be like him? I want to know if you're going to do anything for God, will you first be like Him? Because what we've done is, we've put what we do for God before becoming like Him. I mean, we are the people here that say, I got the image of God. But that image don't show up in our conduct. That image don't show up in our singing. That image don't show up in our prophecy. That image don't show up in our testimony. That image don't show up at work when they're stealing stuff. That image don't show up when somebody invites you to come and sleep in their bed. That image don't show up. Now it's about a moment of weakness. I moment of weakness. Ek het nie gewet wat gebeur het nie, maar toe my weekom kreeg, toe leek lang as aan die suster, jyre vergeef aan my. No, it wasn't a moment of weakness. No, it wasn't. You wanted the devil to trip you up. You positioned yourself so that you know the enemy will just be able to trip you up in a way that makes it controversial and for everybody else to say, ah, vergeef aan my toch vergeef. But can I tell you tonight, God has never ever changed his mind about sin. He's never slacked on it. He's never turned his back on it. He's never ever said, okay, in 2019, okay, I'll just slack on that and I'll just slack on, no. 
God understands that we need to have a behavior that is in line with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We should not allow the world to penetrate it. Unfortunately, in many ways we're letting the world penetrate. In many ways we're letting the world into the church. A lot of what we do is because, oh, they, I, I was at that place and they were, they were doing this. And I'm not, I'm, please, I'm not gunning anything that we're doing. I'm just saying, sometimes we need to just ask ourselves, is this behavior, this word, this conversation, this action, this decision, is it as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? What would a citizen of the kingdom of heaven do? Is this the way they would function? This, the church should live as the kingdom of God now. Do I still have till five o'clock? Is it all right? Are you, do you agree with me that the church is the people that got the new mind? Is that right? The church is the people who are new creatures. Is that right? So the new creature, the new mind, cannot do what the old mind did. Cannot do what the old creature did. I can't understand. How you can be saved for so long and make space for the old man. And make space for the old mindset. The one you wanted to be delivered of. The one you ran to the pulpit for to say, please pray for me. I need prayer. Sunday we had a guy come out in our service. He came to the front. He says, I, I know and my life needs to change. So what he wants is, he wants this old man to die. And he wants the new man to come in. But four years later, we give way to the old man. And we say to that brother, uh, brother, it's okay. We, we know that uh, you struggled a bit. You're still struggling with some of the old man stuff, but we'll still, um, it's all right. We'll still bring you in. So in other words, what we are doing is we, we, we got the new mind. We are the new creature, but we got a dual citizenship. We always leave a back door to go back and to find the world's way. You see, you know that people have the world's way when you get them together and we start talking about what God wants and they start challenging what God wants. Now they start challenging like they challenge at the place of work. No pastor at our place of work, when we get together and we have a meeting with our steward, we, we, we air our views. Now I phoned the shop steward and I said to the shop steward, if you don't stand up for me and my rights, uh, hold on, hold on. In the kingdom of God, you got no rights. In the kingdom of God, you got no rights. All you have in the kingdom of God is obedience to a set of principles, is obedience to the new creature, it's obedience to the new mind, so that you can become uh, as a citizen of this kingdom. And so, what we have in this day and age, we have a circumstance where the church. Uh, is opening itself up to the mindset of the world. The church is in need of leaders who are connected to the kingdom of God. I'm talking about leaders because there's a man sitting here, there's a woman sitting here, they got leadership aspirations. They desire, and in their mind they are saying, they must ask me. You see, if I do it, like a guy told me one day, he said to me, uh, Pastor, I like the way you teach, but when I teach, 
So immediately there's a competitor spirit that's coming out and the competitor spirit is the world system. I'm better than you. What we need in this day and age is we need leaders who are connected to the kingdom of God. Don't desire leadership if you don't desire the kingdom of God. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. We don't need confused leaders. We don't need a leader who lives one lifestyle at work and a different lifestyle at the church. I didn't know he's saved. Because the reason why they are saved, I don't know why I didn't know he's saved. Because at work, he's not a citizen of the kingdom. He lives a totally different lifestyle. Got a, they got a dual citizenship. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. We should be living the kingdom lifestyle. This lifestyle must not, must not be dictated by the world. It must be dictated by the word of God. It must be dictated by the Holy Spirit. God has a mission. And that mission is to save the world. And the preacher is God's sharpening tool. The preacher is what God uses to bring his tool into precision. If the preacher is a liar, if the preacher is busy with himself, if the preacher is looking for something, I'm talking to preachers here, those who have asked, you know, that said to themselves, I also want to preach. The preacher must have a kingdom mindset. The preacher must have a kingdom mindset because when he or she preaches, because God uses women, when he or she preaches, God is busy precisioning his church. There can't be a liar in the mix there. There can't be an adulterer in the mix there. There can't be somebody whose uh, who's Lord is mammon in the mix there. There must be a preacher in the mix that's got holiness, that's got righteousness, that understands uh, the citizenship of the kingdom of God. They must know when I speak, God is using me to bring the tool into precision. Because God is going to target the atheist. And God is going to target the sick. And God is going to target the demon possessed. He needs a precision tool. The way God makes you precise is he works with you through his word. He works with you through the Holy Spirit. He shapes you and he molds you and he puts you into that position. You see, you can't make your own thing. You gotta fit into the cogs of the kingdom of God. You gotta fit into, how's the kingdom of God working? Sometimes you take a funny shape. But God's not interested in whether your shape is funny. He wants to fit you into the precision of the tool. Because the tool is what he uses to bring men and women to Christ. Today we focus on pre preparing people for the local church. I've undergone so much change in my thinking. And I've come to understand, why am I trying to build a local church? I'm not saying anything wrong. There's anything wrong with the local church because it's good. It's needed. That's where we go to fellowship. But the work of God is bigger than our local church. And when your local church minded, that's when we start to 
make our little places that's ours. That's when you hear people say, Ekasal, 15 years here. I'm here 15 years. I'm a founder member. And um, pastor's not going to tell me. I know the constitution. Uh, you know? But the politics of the kingdom of God is servitude to the master. Not my rights. Pastor, the, the meeting uh, took place, but I just want to uh, express my opinion because I wasn't there. It was an unfair decision. Who said if you were there that the decision was going to work out? Who said you were going to make any difference because we just want to put ourselves out there? I feel I still got another six hours to go. Let me see if I can do something to close it up. Today we focus on preparing people for the local church. I know I'm a pastor. I've been doing it for a little while. There comes a time when you get this pressure on you to succeed locally. But then you don't connect kingdom with the kingdom mindset. So you can easily get to do something that, that is going to boost the local church and grow the local church, but then outside of the kingdom of God mandate. What we need is to, is to understand the mandate of the kingdom of God. Our preachers need integrity. Our preachers need integrity. We can't have preachers that tell us one thing on the pulpit and do a different thing outside. It's absent. Integrity is absent with leaders because in the day and time in which we're living, apparently if you were a leader, you get lifted up there. But Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I'm not saying anything, and again, I'm not saying anything wrong with serving. I'm just bringing them what Jesus said. He said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. What we need in this day and hour is men and women of integrity. Men and women who understand the concept of the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God is ingrained into their living lifestyle, and that will teach the principles of God. Today what we are doing is we're teaching what grows the man and the woman for our local church. We're teaching something that will take the man home and help him be better so that he can be a better member. And a better giver. But what God wants is that we teach kingdom principles. Even if it hurts. We need men of integrity who will preach the kingdom of God. Let me close like this. Truth is the gold of the day. Truth is the gold of the day. I want to tell you, truth is so far and in between. People are not giving us truth anymore. They're giving us a mixture of truth and opinion, of truth and view. What we need is to get to a place where we hear truth, where we stand up for truth, where we not compromise the truth, because truth will stop anything else from filtering into the church. I had a gentleman ask me today, 
about somebody at the church got saved. Maybe I think the guy said that this guy, the person got saved like three three months ago. And, and at their church, they now want to make the man an elder. So this brother, this, the pastor of the church, he went to go speak to his leaders and said, hey, uh, some of the people at my church is demanding that I make so-and-so an elder, but the man is saved for only three, three months. And I mean, how can we make the man an elder? So the leaders of that church said to him, no, we must be graceful. We must be graceful and give the man an opportunity because we don't know what God is going to do. The man was an elder for two weeks when he took the church's money. You see, they, were, they didn't check out is the man's behavior in line with the kingdom. They just looked at, oh, we must be kind and nice. Give him also an opportunity. We need discernment in the church. We need discerners in the church. We must discern the liars. We must discern the deceivers. We must discern those who sit right in our midst. They oppose the gospel with Bibles in their hand. And we've given them leadership. We're allowing the world to infiltrate the church. In our church, I was, I'm almost, I don't want to say stumped, but I had a guy come out and gave his life to Christ. I, I'm not, I think it was, with, I'm not sure if it was when you were there. There was a guy, so biggest guy, he came out and he gave his life to Christ, but he's at our church for five years. He said, we're not taking note of these things. And I'll, I'll, I'll be the first one to say, sometimes, you know, you're just happy that somebody's coming to your church. But we've got people in our churches we have not yet given their life to Christ, but they can do, they can do what we want them to do well. So we let them in. We need to discern the people that are in the midst. Don't make it easy for the deceivers to speak anything that's not Bible. Don't gather preachers around your life. Don't be gullible because of style. Don't be gullible because somebody is all over the place. Who is no dasa? Is no Don't be gullible. Be biblical. Be open to biblical teaching. Don't be a part of the problem by opening up your ears to anything. Be a part of the solution by making sure that I am only going to lend my ears to truth. Amen. Can we bow our heads, Father? thank you now I thank you now for the authority of heaven that is here in this house right now and I thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit functioning and being accomplished here right now in Jesus name if you say to me if you're sitting there and you're saying Brother, please pray for me. Something you said tonight has stirred in my spirit. And you feel like God is ministering to you. And you saying, Lord, I'm standing before you. 
for my citizenship. Lord, today, I announce my citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. I don't have dual citizenship. And you say, Lord, I stand before you today declaring my citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. Is there anybody like that tonight? Say, brother, please pray for me. I declare I am a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. I don't live a dual lifestyle. I live as God wants me to live. Anybody here? Say, Lord, I've struggled, I've battled. But I'm going to live as the kingdom of God requires of me to live. Is anybody here tonight? Can you stand to your feet? Anybody say, please pray for me. I heard something tonight. I don't know what it is, but I heard something tonight that I just want to acknowledge publicly. I live the standards of the kingdom of God. And if I can't, it's going to be by the Holy Spirit. Anybody else you want to stand? Don't stand because I invited you. Stand because God is ministering to you. Stand because you understand that Jesus is Lord of your life. Anybody else? There's a few of us that are standing. This is the way God is bringing you bread tonight. God is saying to you, we need to live the principles of the kingdom of God. I would like to pray with you if you don't mind. Can I ask you just to come? Leave your seat and come. Maybe our brother can give us a, something from heaven, something like citizenship of heaven. Is anybody else you want to join us? You say, Lord, today, I'm taking up my stance for the kingdom of heaven. I refuse to live a dual lifestyle. I will live the lifestyle of the kingdom of God. Is there anybody here tonight you're not saved? You've not yet given your life to Jesus Christ. I would like to point out to you, the Bible says, unless a man is born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. So the way you enter into the kingdom of heaven and live as a citizen of heaven is you must be born again. Is there anybody here tonight, you're not saved? Say, brother, please pray for me. But I'm giving my life to Jesus today. Is there anybody like that? You're not saved. I just feel before we do anything else, we're going to pray for people who are here who are not saved. Just that we are. Can you just come before God for people who are not yet saved? For people who have not yet made that commitment. Is there, is there some intercessors here? Is there somebody here who will come before God for people who are here? Of our young men and our young women that are here that have not yet made that commitment to Christ. Is there somebody that will pray for them? Any one of us, can we just pray to God? That somebody would come to Christ. Is there anybody here tonight? You're not saved. You're saying, please pray for me. I have not yet given my life to Jesus Christ. But I want to do so tonight. Is there anybody like that? Those of you that are in the front, can I ask you just to lift your hands to the Lord? Now, I'm not asking you to lift your hands to the Lord because I've got nothing else for you to do. I have a reason why you're lifting your hands. You're lifting your hands because in the first place you're saying, Lord, I surrender. I, I can't explain that to you, 
it means surrender. You lift your hands to the Lord because you say, Lord, I surrender my life to you. I give myself to you. The songwriter said, I give myself away. So as you lift your hands, surrender to God. I don't know what you need to surrender, but something you need to surrender to God. There's something that you need to give up. There's a price that you have to pay for living as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Can you take that moment to surrender to God? Can you take that moment to surrender to God? Those of you that are sitting in the seats, we, it's not going to be long there, we're going to go home, but can you stretch your hands towards them? Trust God with them. That as they are surrendering, that God will manifest in their life. In Jesus' name. We're lifting our hands because we are saying, Lord, I surrender. Now can I tell you the second reason why we lift our hands? The second reason why we lift our hands because anybody that surrenders to God will get something from God. God never lets you leave empty-handed. So your hands are raised because you surrendered, but your hands are also raised because now you are beginning to receive. Receive it in Jesus' name. 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 I pray, I pray that everything that is confusing, I pray in Jesus' name that you would restructure it, reorder things for Him, give Him clarity of mind, clarity of vision. Lord, manifest the purpose. Manifest the purpose, God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God said, I must tell you. God said, I must tell you. I'm removing the stop sign. God said, I must tell you. I'm removing the stop, stop sign. God said, you cannot stop every time. God says, I take away the stop sign. Start moving. Start, start, start operating. Start functioning. Do it, my brother. Do it, my brother. Brother, look at me. God said, they never ever gave you a stop I don't know if that means anything to you but God says he never ever gave you a stop sign and the stop sign that you have put up in your own mind he says I remove that stop sign I give you freeway I give you the ability I put the action on you I give you the power and the authority God says you are no longer healed but you will move with liberty and you will move with power and you will not have a stutter anymore. A stutter in your life. Stop sign is removed. Father, I pray that you would touch this man. Give it to him, Father. Give it to him in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Minister to him. Heal him, God. Heal him, God. Bring him recovery, God. Take him out there, God. In the name of Jesus. I ask you right now, God, open his eyes. Take him out there, God. Take him out there, God. Show him your hand that's reaching out to pick him up, God. Pick him up, God. 